only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And you can follow along in the blue pew Bible in front of you on page 846. Listen now to the word of God. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of God. Let's um, ask the word, uh, Lord, if he'd bless his word in our time briefly again. Let me pray for us. Father, um, please be gracious to our hearts and our ears this morning. And help us to see as children see your goodness. For Jesus' sake, amen. Uh, Growing up, um, my family had a lot of parties. And... um, I don't know it, but I think my dad was the king of giving parties, to be honest with you. And uh, we gave a lot of parties, and we went to a lot of parties. And I remember always going as kids, and there were two kinds of parties I remember going to as kids. And I'm changing the name of the first family to protect their identity, but we'll call them the Kennedys, okay? And if there's a Kennedy in this church, this is not you, and no offense meant, but... Um, when you went to the Kennedys and they drug all your family, it was kind of like you walked in the door, but you knew you were supposed to really be invisible. You know, you, they didn't want you to be seen. They certainly didn't want you to be heard. There was a separate room where the children were kind of stuck out of the way. You got the really bad snacks, you know. I feel this way, you know, you buy good cheese and you have people over and your six-year-old runs in and is like, chomp a big block of cheese and off with it and you're like, ah. right? But I got the sense that the Kennedys didn't really want us at the party. I mean, they would never say that. And that may be unfair to them, maybe they did want us. But, I mean, the separate room kind of gave a signal, you know. But then there were the Tavonis. And the Tavonis threw a lot of parties. And I love going to the Tavonis. Because Dominic Tavoni had this big old house right off the Interstate Route 1. And, but it was this big field out back. And, and when you came to the Tavonis, it was like the welcome sign was laid out. Dominic was always in the front yard. And he had this big, huge grill in his front yard. It was a big piece of chicken wire laid over four cinder blocks. He could cook like 200 pieces of chicken at one time. So I have all these great memories of kind of walking up and there's Dominic Tavoni in the blazing heat, kind of mopping his forehead. But 
when you got out of the car, he'd be like, the burgers, hey, come here. You know, like big, sweaty Italian hug, mops his head. And there was always this big ice chest of Cokes. We didn't have healthy drinks back then. We didn't think about healthiness, right? Like Cokes. And so, you know, you always knew that if you ran by Dominic Tavoni, jacked up on Coke and said, hey, Mr. Tavoni, can I have another Coke? You'd be like, yeah, man, go, go get you one. Woo. Right. And, and I remember kind of all the adults kind of standing by and Mr. Tavoni would be cooking all this. And there'd be this group of men, which looking back, they were now my age. And I'm sure they were talking important things like what Penn State was doing or, or what, what, you know, what they were dealing with their lives and their family, the same things we talk about. I, when you ran up and kind of like, Mr. Vaughn, can I have another piece of chicken? He'd be like, yeah, sport, get you, get you another. I wasn't sure that the Kennedys really wanted me at their party, but I was really sure that the Tavonis did. I knew they wanted you at their party. I knew they wanted you in their house. I knew they wanted you in their life. I knew it was a great joy for you to be with them at the party. And I think Dominic Tavoni, either knowingly or unknowingly, modeled something very clear about Jesus and the kingdom of God to me. It's stuck in my head all these years. And I want you to look at the story for a moment to, to kind of... See how Dominic Tavoni is modeling what Jesus is modeling here in this story for us this morning. It says they were bringing children at the beginning, and we don't know who the they were. It may be mothers to get their kids blessed, but there's actually a real sense that it may be older kids bringing younger kids, like this parade of kids coming to Jesus in all their unkemptness. This kind of group of kids coming to Jesus to be blessed. And the disciples, when they see all these kids being brought to Jesus, this messiness, they're like, whoa. Right? The text says, the disciples rebuke them. Don't bother Jesus with these unimportant... Stop. He doesn't have time for this mess. He's important. He has important people to deal with. He has a kingdom to bring. Back up. That's the pattern among the disciples. And to give them a little credit, children in the day of Jesus were little more than second-class citizens. They were viewed as little more than property until they reached the age of being bar mitzvah, until they were able to work and bring value to the home. There wasn't much to kids. They really were thought as not much more than property. But Jesus, in verse 14, when he sees it, gets indignant. He gets angry. He's upset. Because his disciples have misunderstood the kingdom of God and who it belongs to. And he responds in this grammatically emphatic construction let the children come and don't hinder them. It's, if you read it in the language, it's this very emphatic statement. You can almost see Jesus waving his hands and saying, Whoa! Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Peter, get out of the way. Let, let the kids come. Let them come. John, make room. Come on, let, let them in. Make a path for the kids. Let the kids come to the party. Let them come to me. 
Because such belong to the kingdom of God. And you even see at the end of this little section that Jesus takes them up in his arms. So you know that there are like infants involved. Luke's account says that it's infants. These others say that they're small kids. Jesus at the end of this four verses grabs the children up in his arms and in his affection and love for them, puts his hand on them and he blesses them because he loves them. And this is the approach of Jesus to children. And this is what I want you to see. Two things this morning. That the kingdom of God belongs to the likes of children. God welcomes the unimportant. God's kingdom belongs to the marginalized. He loves and welcomes the weak. He has time in his busy schedule for those who do not matter to the rest of the world. And if you read Luke's account, this little section follows right after the terrible of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And so God has in mind as you read this, that it's not just the marginalized socially, but it's the weak because of their sin. The kingdom of God belongs to those who can offer nothing to God of their own righteousness, but come to God like the tax collector, beat down by his sin and laid low. The conditional sense of the heart is in play in the description from the rest of the Gospels because it's not the righteous or the accomplished that Jesus calls. It's the unrighteous. And here's part of the point. Jesus' indignation reminds us that God is not taken up with our views of who is important or who should have access to God. On the contrary, His love is for the ones that the world has little regard for or who have little value. And the strong temptation in your heart and mind is this, to make Jesus accessible only to the important or to the accomplished or to the fairly good, or to the morally together, or to the politically conservative, or to the family values people, or to the folks who have changed their life and gotten on the right track. Those are the people who should have access to Jesus. And Jesus says, no. There's a warning. God gets angry. He is indignant when we hinder the weak and the poor and the unaccomplished and the marginalized and the sinful from coming to Him or finding access to Him or feeling comfortable coming to Jesus. Or from feeling at home with Christ. Now look, you need to be careful. Bring the doctors. Doctors and lawyers and CEOs and CFOs and entrepreneurs and architects and business owners and all you other people who are accomplished come. God is the one who has given you your gifts. But the kingdom of God does not belong to you because of your accomplishments, professional or moral or otherwise. He needs none of your accolades or mine for that matter. Peter, don't hinder them. John, get out of the way. Judas, let the children come. And there ought to be a few ways we think about application of this. And one is this. Now, I love this church for this reason, but I think we need to be careful about how high we set the bar for kids to feel like they can come to Christ. 
Now, I love this session because they believe that as they interview children, it ought to be a childlike faith that allows them access to be members of this body. I'm so thankful for that. But it's children that he says come. It's the weak. It's the young. Not because they're young, but the defenselessness and neediness. There is hope for the weak and the defenseless. And there is a word for you this morning. Not because we presume upon the grace of God. But listen. For those of you mothers who have begun pregnancies and they have miscarried and you wonder I would look at you and say the heart of Jesus is this. He calls and loves the children to come. He has a large tent for the weak and the defenseless. And we have every reason to hope that our children who were born or not born in that manner belong to Him. And I think that actually says a word for you who maybe have silently aborted a child in years past and would never want to say that in the church for fear that you would be shamed or just the own personal shame that you have felt. I do think that you and I have hope to believe that as such as these belong to the, the kingdom of God. Because God loves the weak. God loves the defenseless and He loves the children. And for those whose, in God's providence, have children who are Down's children. Or some other way in which their life expresses that they don't articulate the faith the way kind of you do. I think there is good encouragement from Jesus saying, back up and let the children come because these are the ones I love. And in a very real sense, we ought to hope that as you sit here, look, if you're a kid this morning, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, listen to Jesus. Come. Come to the Lord who has established His kingdom. Come, because Jesus says His arms are wide for you. Come in faith to Him. And He receives such as this. Now, to the older of you who have a real sense that your sin has overwhelmed you and you don't feel like a kid at all, who recognize that there is little in your person or in your piety or in your righteousness, but that there is much to your sin and much to your depravity and much to your weakness, and you know the idolatry of your heart very well, Jesus says, come, because He loves to give grace to the weak. You know that great hymn we sing, If Thou Hast Drawn a Thousand Times? O Lord, draw me again. Jesus loves the weak. He loves the likes of children. The kingdom of God belongs to them and us. And he takes that and moves into this transition from who the kingdom of God belongs to to how it is that children approach, that how we come to the kingdom. 
He gives a lesson on how you and I should come to Him and receive the kingdom of God. Because in 15 He says, truly, truly, when Jesus says truly, truly, a lot of you know that means sit up and take notice. Listen, hey, this is important. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a children, like a child won't enter it, right? In other words, and this is the second point, you have to come and receive it like a child. You have to come trusting in your neediness. Jesus uses this occasion to talk about how faith works illustratively from kids because ostensibly the children were coming fairly freely. They were coming right on up to Jesus. You see, that's the way children, when they have a need, trust those who will help them. I mean, kids, but why do you think you have to teach your children not to take Halloween candy from strangers? Because they actually, they need candy. It's one of the four basic food groups, right? It is a need. And if someone offers them candy, they simply believe, of course they mean me good. Why wouldn't I? Sure I will. The campus minister at Brown sent this email over the weekend. He said he was starting his RUF at Brown this past week and he was having a barbecue on the quad at Brown. And he had his family with him and he looked up and his three-year-old Tilly was gone. But across the quad, the Sigma Chi's were having their own party and barbecue. And his three-year-old, who was hungry and needed a hamburger, <laughs> smelled hamburgers that the Sigma Chi's were cooking and decided she would just wander on over and see if she could get one. And the Sigma Chi's, being nice, upstanding young gentlemen, said, sure. And Eddie Park looked over to see his three-year-old sitting amongst on the bench with all these Sigma Chi's just munching away on her beef patty, trusting as she could be. <laughs> I'm hungry. I need I think I'll go over here and get one. That's the way children come. That's the way we're to come to the kingdom of God. Jesus, it's stated in the negative by Mark. He says, if you do not receive the kingdom of God, trusting in your neediness like a child, you will not enter it. And I don't know where you are this morning in terms of your believing, trusting in Christ, or you know whether or not you think it's a viable place for you to rest yourself and your soul. But I would look at you and say, this is the stumbling block of Jesus so much of the time. Because people hold so tightly to their lack of neediness, their goodness. And Jesus becomes rather a safe haven. He becomes a place you stumble. And Jesus says, listen, please, if you will not receive His mercy and His goodness and His forgiveness and the kingdom and His rule and reign as a child receives help from His parents, you will not have it. But though it's stated in the negative, the positive is true. Right? If you will come to Jesus in all of your neediness, in all of your messiness, in all of your brokenness, trusting in openness that God is merciful and good, you will receive it in spades and abundance. Okay. 
this is not, that's encouraging, I hope, to you this morning. I really hope that is a grand encouragement. And trusting God like a child is not receiving it without question. Right? It's not this blind leap of faith that contemporary, sometimes Christianity speaks about. You know, like, I mean, I don't know if it's really true, but, but hey, that's what faith is for. No. Children don't trust their parents as a blind leap of faith in the dark. Children trust their parents because most of the time, their parents have met their needs. They don't even think about it. The reason why most of the children come simply tugging at 6 a.m. to the door, Mommy, can I have a drink? is because all they've ever known is Mommy and Daddy saying, Yeah, honey. The reason they come trustingly is because they're utterly needy and this is what their parents have shown them. So trusting God is not this blind leap in the dark. It's not giving up on reason. It's not shutting out your questions. As a matter of fact, it can really be the opposite. Now let me, I need to be careful, you know, preachers use their kids so much, but I I love bedtime with my kids. And right now, I love bedtime with my four-year-old son because um, he'll he'd be really embarrassed. We have this thing called snuggles and toasty toes. That's what we do at night. And um, it's this question time. So we get in bed and... and, um, and the other night, Ward is kind of just, we have this new game, it's the monster game, and so we're lying in bed, and Ward goes, Daddy, is God bigger than monsters? It's a pretty good question, Ward. It's a pretty good question for a four-year-old. Yeah, buddy. That's bigger than monsters. He thinks about it for a second. He goes, okay. And off we go. And two nights later, he kind of, we're sitting there and he goes, hey, Danny, I know another question is coming. Can Darth Vader beat God? Right? Because Star Wars Legos is big in our house right now. On the Wii. Now look, to a four-year-old, that's a fairly good question. Darth Vader's pretty mean. He's pretty tough. Hey, hey, Daddy, can Darth Vader be gone? No, buddy. No, God can take Darth Vader with one hand tied behind his back. He thinks for a second. Okay. Okay. And off we go. Coming to God as a child is not putting away your questions. It's coming to God with your questions, trusting that you come to one who is good and full of wisdom and the holder of all truth and has made all of the questions and has answered all of the questions by all of his eternal wisdom and goodness. It's not shutting out your questions. It's not taking a a blind leap of faith in the dark. It is coming to the one who has all of the truth and all of the wisdom and all glory and all authority and trusting that He in His goodness will meet you there. You may have lots of questions. You may read the Bible with a lot of doubt. It may be hard for you to believe these things. But Jesus says, 
Come as a child and the kingdom of God will be yours and wisdom will be given to you and grace and mercy will be given to you. Now, look, for some of you, that is a hard order to take, I'm sure, because the parents you had may have done you real harm. And so it may be hard for you to come to the grace and mercy of a God when your view of parent is abuse. But God is not like the fallenness of our parents. And I am banking on the fact that my children will see the mercy of Jesus beyond the sin and misery of their own mother and father. You may be sitting here and thinking that there is no way that God will give mercy to someone who has done the things that you have done. But listen, come as the children do and the kingdom of God is yours. Now, what does that mean for you and I who have been in the church trusting Jesus for a long time? And this is kind of where I want this to be of encouragement to your heart this morning. Because you may have trusted Jesus the first time before you could ever remember. And there may never have been a day where you did not trust Him. But Jesus saying, come as the children do, is still of use to you and me this morning. How? It's this. I think that there is good encouragement for us in this way. That you know these truths of the kingdom more and more as you get older. And this is, I think, what God does. As you're getting older, as you're getting nearer to your own departure from this world, as you're heading closer and closer to glory, as you're becoming more mature in your walk with Jesus, as you're seeing sin put to death, as you're walking down the long road of obedience and struggle and faith and repentance, this is what I think comes true. That as you become more like an adult in some ways, God is merciful to enable you to trust Him more like a child. That's what we're hoping. Now, let me put it in this regard. Hey, God. Hey, Dad. Is God bigger than monster? Yeah, buddy. Okay. Now let me flip this to the vows that you take to be members of the church. This this is strange, but let me help apply this. As you go on the walk of faith, this I think is what God enables. Because you took a vow and it becomes more childlike. It's an approach for you and I to say this. Do you really consider yourself a sinner in the sight of God? Justly deserving His displeasure? Without hope, in this world and the next. Oh, yeah, more than ever. More than ever. Do you trust in Christ alone and nothing else for mercy and forgiveness and for your righteousness and for your sanctification and for Him changing you and for Him bringing you all the way to glory that there is no other name under heaven by which you will be safe and by which you will be forgiven and by which you will be changed? 
Yeah, more than ever. Do you, knowing that God will not give up on you, that God will enable you by His grace, will give you His Spirit, will give you His presence, will walk with you, will change you, that you will endeavor to follow after Jesus? I think I will. You promise to love the church and serve it even though it's a mess. I've seen the way Jesus has served me in my... Yeah. What you and I are called to do now, today, is receive the kingdom as children. Trusting in our neediness. There's no other way to come. But as we come in that way for the first time or for the thousandth time or for the millionth time, this is the word of benediction that you and I hear. To such belong the kingdom of God. And if you will come to Jesus in that way, you have confidence to know that the kingdom and all of its benefits are yours. And look, We're about to come to the glorious table of Christ. How do you hear God call you? Do you hear the hand of the disciples saying, whoa, 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 ah, no, no, not like that, not messy, no. Or do you hear the voice of Jesus? Beloved, I want you to hear the voice of Jesus this day say to you, Peter, Because you have confidence in this, that God the Father dismissed His own Son from the table of His tenderness. That He might pour out His wrath upon the Son whom He loves, so that He might clear away the rubble and your sin and the mess. That He might this morning call you for the first or the millionth time and say, and please, beloved, hear and be encouraged. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And God's people say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love um, the unimportant and that you love the weak. And that you love the broken. And that you love the terrified. And that you love those who are in need of the blood and the bread and the wine and your body. Who need your mercy. God, let us come. And let us partake deeply of the goodness of your kingdom and your rule. For Jesus' sake and for our benefit, we ask. Pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America.
Won't you chase my fears away? 